well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with us on the program today. Coming up here in a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Mr. Stephen Gutowski of The Reload, his new site where he is focusing on Second Amendment news and information, breaking some uh, big stories in his first week at uh, the new site, The Reload, including uh, our main topic of discussion, a draft proposal of the Biden administration's plans for quote-unquote ghost guns. Yes, the DIY home-built firearms that uh, Joe Biden wants to uh, try to criminalize. I mean, unless they're serialized, unless you go through a background check before you buy one of these gun kits, Joe Biden would like to turn you into a criminal. Uh, In addition, this ATF draft guidance also delves into a uh, pretty sticky issue uh, for the agency. That is the fact that uh, AR-15s and a lot of uh, uh, handguns that are manufactured today don't actually have Uh, a single receiver that would qualify as a quote-unquote firearm under the current definition of the uh, term in the Gun Control Act of 1968. Rather than use Congress to uh, revise the Gun Control Act of 1968, uh, no, the Biden administration plans on just uh, reinterpreting the rules and regulations to broadly change them. Uh, And that is where we pick up our conversation with Stephen Gutowski from The Reload. Take a look and a listen. Steven, thanks for coming on the program, sir. It's great to talk with you today. Hey, Cam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, congratulations on the new site. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but I want to first start with one of the stories that you've broken at The Reload, uh, and that is this draft proposal from the ATF regarding, uh, quote-unquote, ghost guns, unfinished firearms, uh, 80% frames and receivers, what exactly does this document that uh, that you got a hold of, how bad does it look for gun owners? Um, well, uh, I guess that's hard to say exactly because to me, when I, when I read that document, it's 107 pages long, but uh, when I read through it, uh, I got the impression that it's kind of a typical ATF sort of maneuver here where uh, – they want to make the standard as broad as they possibly can and then allow themselves to draw whatever line they want inside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to things like 80% lowers or um, <clears throat> unfinished firearms receivers uh, or what the, you know, what, what Biden referred to as uh, ghost guns, um, they want to add um, basically a, a new term to the definition of, receiver um that will include uh anything that is readily convertible into a firearms receiver uh and the standard that they have set up in there for what readily convertible means is completely subjective essentially it's based on like how long it takes to complete the process how much expertise is required to do it how you know what kind of tools are required um how easy it is, you know, that, and those are all basically subjective standards. Um, they're, you know, they just create these categories and don't really give any specific, uh, amount, you know, numbers as to what exactly constitutes, you know, readily available, but they do, uh, note in footnotes, a number of court cases related to machine guns. So machine guns under the NFA, their receivers 
are are regulated in, in this manner that they that the ATF wants to do all receivers, which is that if it's something that can be readily converted into a machine gun receiver, then it needs to be treated as a machine gun receiver and go through all the regulatory process required. And so they point to a couple court cases talking about that standard. And one of them uh, that they used was um, indicated, at least according to the ATF's reasoning here, uh, that eight, eight hours of work in a um, machine shop, a fully equipped machine shop, would constitute readily uh, convertible. And the only thing that they gave as a limit, the one case example that they gave as something that would not be considered readily convertible, was a case where the what was required was um, like an expert level gunsmith to use sixty five thousand dollars worth of specialized equipment in order to convert the device. So when you take that and apply it to an eighty percent lower for an AR fifteen, for example, right. Um, the basically like eight hours um, in a machine shop, you could probably go from a block of you know metal to a finished receiver with the proper you know equipment. Um, and so it's like the line the the, the limiting uh, <clears throat> the limit for this regulation is pretty much endless. Um, and then <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> the ATF hasn't really. Um, <clears throat> I apologize. That's all right. Well, I tell you what, you you uh, take a drink if you uh, if you need one, uh, yeah. and uh, and and I'll talk for a minute <laughs> or two, uh, because you know one of the interesting things about this is that so you you talked about lower receivers and ARs, uh, and as you say, the ATF is is trying to redefine what is a a readily convertible or what is, what is something that it can be readily converted into a firearm so broadly that perhaps even a a hunk of metal. Uh, itself would, uh, you know, be serialized and have to go through a background check if there was some way to uh, to know that the purchaser intended uh, to turn that into a firearm. But specifically regarding, uh, you know, AR-style firearms and, and even some handguns, uh, it seems like the ATF is also trying to use this draft guidance to address an issue that's come up in recent years because the, an AR-15 does not have one receiver. In fact, it doesn't have a, a single part that meets the definition uh, of a frame or a receiver, which are the 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 two parts of the gun that that the uh, government uses to define what is and is not a firearm. And we've actually seen cases where the federal government has dismissed charges uh, against individuals they've brought for, you know, making illegal guns because uh, the the legal standard is so vague and fuzzy that uh, it looked like these cases were going to get dismissed. Precedent could have been set. Um, and rather than, you know, Joe Biden or the Biden administration saying, all right, look, we got to fix this, uh, quote unquote, loophole in the uh, Gun Control Act. We, we need we need new legislation. It sounds like the ATF is just going to, again, try to reinterpret and redefine the existing rules and regulations to mean something that they do not when it comes to uh, trying to regulate, uh, uh, you know, the issues of uh, upper and upper and lower receivers. Yeah, well, um, I think you've actually struck at the bigger the bigger uh, issue in this this uh, rule change because, yeah, the I think a lot of gun enthusiasts are going to be focused on 
unfinished lovers and 80% because that's, that's like an enthusiast, uh, thing that people like to do, build their own guns from, um, you know, uh, unfinished parts. Um, but it's not really something that, uh, that's uh, a ton of people even know about necessarily. Um, and <clears throat> so, you know, the, the ATF set up that, that broad standard. And then in, in, I think with unfinished lowers, they, they kind of are doing it just to, just to say, we want to keep doing what we're already doing. Um, and I, and I think that comes into play with what you're talking about as well here with changing the rule as to what constitutes a, uh, a receiver or a frame, because the problem that they face is, um, so the law itself just says receiver or frame and then lets the regulators define it. And for, for decades now, it's been defined a certain way as having to include a number of different parts of the gun in order to be a receiver or a frame. So like the, um, you know, the fire control group has to be in there, you know, the trigger mechanism, the, um, <clears throat> the hammer, um, and the, you know, the breech block. And obviously if you look at the part that the ATF says is a receiver on an AR-15, and I have a couple of them here, but this doesn't have all those parts in it. Um, and that's the problem. The ATF for years basically just ignored what the regulation was and said, we're just going to pick whatever part we think should be the receiver. And that'll be the regulated part. That'll be where you have to, you know, put your serial number and, and your address and all the stuff that's required for marking. Um, and so what they're doing now that the courts have caught up to this and been like, wait a second, what you're doing doesn't match what the regulation is. How can we put people in jail for this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, so they're doing the same thing again here where they're, they're like, okay, fine. And they're very upset at the courts. If you read the, the proposal, it's, it's just dripping with like anger at, at these, these judges, um, and condescension basically. Uh, cause they're like, you know, if we followed what these judges were saying, 90% of guns would be unregulatable because most guns don't have these parts all in one, uh, one piece. Um, even, even though I bring up the 1911, even the 1911 doesn't have them all in one, one piece, uh, for a frame. And so they're like, fine, we'll change the regulation and we're going to make it basically as broad as possible. So before it was, you know, you got to have all these three components in all of them in one piece for that to be the receiver. Now there's, they want to say, well, you just need one of those components. And so you could have like, in theory, a bunch of different receivers on the same gun. Um, but again, they, they're doing that. And then they're saying, okay, we want to set these broad standards. And then we just want to do what we've been doing anyway. So we're going to set this big standard. And then we're just like, we're not going to make you serialize the upper of an AR 15, even though it would fit into the, the our, our new definition of what a receiver is because it has the breach the breach in there um and so you know it's the same thing with unfinished uh receivers they want to be like all right we're going to add this new language that makes it so that in theory there's almost no limiting principle to what we could declare is a receiver um and then we're just going to make it in practice the same as we've been doing for the last couple of years because you I mean, if you recall they they rated polymer 80 um, just recently here. And the complaint was that they were selling kits with the 80% lowers so that 
you know, the was buy, build, shoot kits. They, they don't like those. The ATF hasn't liked those for a long time. And they've already gone after them under current regulations. And so now they're just trying to say, let's broaden the, the, the legal regulation so that there's no question that we can do this, what we're already doing. Um, okay, well, and, but, and but then the question becomes, so, so is this a matter of broadening the regulations or is this a matter of changing the law? Uh, and I, I know that you spoke with the folks over the Firearms Policy Coalition. Uh, what did they have to say? Does it sound like they're getting ready to lawyer up here? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, well, one, I, I think it's important to note that, like, this is a proposal, right? Yeah. This is, um, and and what we have now is a draft of the proposal. I, I wouldn't expect it to change very much before it gets put out in, like, two weeks here. It's not usually how government bureaucracies work. Um, it'll probably look a lot like what we have now. But um, it's also going to go through the rulemaking process. So it has to it has to go through commenting. And we've seen gun regulations fail at that level in the past with the Obama era uh, green tip ban for a certain AR-15, you know, five five six ammo. And um, and yes, you've seen some very strong uh, reactions to this from uh, you know the Firearms Policy Coalition, which is already looking into uh, potential legal action uh, if this it, proposal does you know make it into the the, the record and. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, just because I think one of the key points here is, you know, I'm, I'm describing like what this letter says. And it basically says we want to broaden the definitions of these things so we don't end up with any problems in court over what we're currently doing. And we just want to keep currently doing this. We just want to keep the, doing the things we're already doing. But the obvious problem with that is if you broaden the what they're able to do. They could just change their minds down the line and decide to start regulating things differently if they have that ability. You know, yeah. that's that's probably the issue that is going to trip up a lot of gun rights groups and, and cause them to seek you know legal action to stop this if necessary. Well, and again, and if it were also just a, a matter of uh, being so easy uh, to just, you know, well, we're just going to you know say this means something else now and the problem solved. Uh, why would they have not done that earlier? Because these court cases that uh, they complain about where, you know, the federal government has ultimately dismissed charges against uh, individuals, I mean, those have been going on for years now. And it's actually a former ATF agent, Dan Kelly, who's been testifying as the expert witness, uh, you know, pointing out the, the, uh, the, the, the inconsistency and the problem uh, that exists in federal law. So it seems to me like if it really were just as easy as, uh, well, now we're going to say it means something else, they would have done that. Uh, long before now, this to me seems like almost an excuse or a, uh, a, you know, we gotta, we gotta try to do something. Uh, that's probably the only way that we can because we probably don't have the votes in Congress to do it. So, uh, we'll throw it out there, uh, at least right now in a draft proposal, uh, and we'll see if it sticks. But I don't, I don't know that it's, that it's simply as easy as the ATF makes it out to be. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's a fair point. I think there's going to be some controversy over, uh, how they're trying to redefine the term firearm and uh, receiver and frame um, and whether or not what they're trying to, the, the, the extremely broad definition that they want is actually consistent with the intent of Congress uh, when it passed the gun control act. Um, obviously the ATF argues it is, but certainly some you know, groups like the firearms policy coalition uh, argue it's not. 
Um, and so, yeah, I could certainly see that ending up in court and, and potentially even the ATF losing. Cause yeah, I mean, like, like we've been discussing here, even if the ATF doesn't intend to try and enforce the broadest possible, uh, interpretation of their new, uh, proposed regulations, um, they are, there really isn't much of a limiting principle there. And that is a problem when you look at, uh, the law and you look at, you know, constitutional protections of, of, uh, uh, commerce in, in arms and, and in, you know, production, you know, homemade firearms, uh, cause the, obviously there's second amendment implications there. And, and so it, it's not a given that the ATF or the DOJ can actually, even if they make it through the rule banking process, which isn't a, which also isn't a given, um, that it won't get struck down by a court, uh, as being, you know, beyond what the regulation, what the regulatory agency is actually has the authority to do. Yeah. Um, I think that's a perfectly legitimate question there. Like, do you, can they do this? Can they expand this definition so much that it, it's, you know, there's almost no limiting principle to what they could classify as a firearms receiver, um, without new legislation, um, after, I mean, when was the gun control act passed in the sixties? Right? Sixty-eight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's an open question. That's, uh, um, but you know, the current definition comes from regulation. So, um, they, they're going to try to change it and broaden it through regulation. Um, now, you know, it, it's, they're going through the rulemaking process, which is a more permanent way of doing that. It's not just, uh, you know, the ATF issuing a letter, mm -hmm. a guidance letter or something like that. Um, so it does have more weight to it if they are able to get through. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not open to legal challenges. Absolutely. All right. Listen, in the uh, short time we have left, let's talk about the new site, uh, uh, the reload dot com, which uh, just kicked off on Monday. Again, you've been doing some fantastic reporting there already. Um, what do folks need to know about the reload? How can they be a part of it? And uh, what, what, what do you want to share about the website? Yeah, well, uh, people can sign up for the, we've got free newsletters, uh, weekly newsletter that gives you sort of the breakdown of the most important gun news in the country for that week. Uh, and you'll also get uh, uh, sort of breaking alerts. Um, and I mean, actual breaking news alerts, not like other outlets use it, where it's just every story they publish is breaking news. Uh, it'll be a periodical thing. <laughs> you I'm not going to try to overwhelm people with a ton of email. But um, so there's a free option there. Um, and then there's going to be uh, a couple paid options. There's a monthly and yearly uh, membership where you get uh, another weekly newsletter that gives you sort of an, the analysis that breaks down why those stories, why those big stories of the week are important and how they're going to affect you in the long run. Um, and then also you get exclusive uh, posts on the website, access to those, and you'll be able to comment as well if you're a member and uh, access to the forum. and. Um, as well as, you know, question, question and answer sessions with me. So, you know, you can, they can have, play your role here. Uh, <laughs> <Cam>. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, ask me, you know, about whatever is going on, whatever they're interested in, uh, provide, you know, help me find stories too. It'll be another valuable thing. So sort of trying to build like a real community there. And then, um, you know, if, if you're someone who really believes in what I'm trying to do with the reload, um, in, you know, serious, sober, firearms reporting and expert analysis if you if you think those things are valuable and want to see a publication dedicated to that really succeed um because this is an independent publication it's not backed by anyone i'm not getting funding from 
from anyone else. Um, and so it's really going to be driven. The success is going to be determined by readers wanting to support the operation. And so the, the biggest way you can do that, if you have the means, um, is to sign up for a co-founders membership. This is a very limited run here. Um, because, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm able to give, you know, individual, uh, attention to the, to people who sign up for this. Um, and we're, we have, in addition to getting a lifetime membership, you'll also get a, a special range day with me. We're going to do, sh- uh, shoot some sporting plays in, at, uh, Bull Run Shooting Center out in Virginia here near the, near Dulles Airport, near Manassas, uh, uh, battlegrounds. Um, on June 12th. And, uh, that costs a thousand dollars. Um, and the idea with that is, uh, that you can really be somebody who's, who steps up and makes sure this is a sustainable model. It helps me get through those first couple months before I can really grow that, uh, paid membership, um, uh, into, you know, something sustainable for the long run. And, um, you know, that, that we've had huge, uh, outpouring of support with, with that, uh, we sold the, there was initially only going to be 10 slots because, you know, I can only make, I can only have so many of these because of the personal interaction involved, but, uh, that sold out the first day, uh, sold all 10. And then, then we've, I opened up 10 more slots, uh, and that's probably going to be the last, the last run. And I'll have to come up with something else to offer people, um, <laughs> in that regard. But, uh, we already sold two of those. So, uh, you know, they're going pretty fast and they're, they're not going to be around much longer. Um, but that's how people can help. And that, you know, that's what they can, uh, go ahead and sign up. Whether you want to, you're just interested in getting it for free and following along. That's fantastic. Or if you want to, you know, help support by going all the way to the co-founders level, uh, I'm just grateful for, for, you know, the, the amount of, uh, positive feedback I've, I've gotten so far from, from everyone. I'm, I'm really, really glad to see that uh, the response has been as strong as it has been, uh, Stephen. This is fantastic news. Uh, I am so happy for you uh, starting the reload. I am looking forward to doing what I can to help plug it uh, whenever I can. And I'm looking forward to having you back on the program very, very soon to talk about more of the stories that you're breaking there at uh, the reload. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. And look forward to doing this again very soon. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, I certainly do appreciate Stephen joining us on the program. Make sure you check out the website, The Reload, for uh, even more information. Uh, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story from, uh, well, our website, BearingArms.com. Oakland PD playing catch and release with tween armed robbery suspects. Yes, uh, four suspects between the ages of 11 and 14. Uh, nabbed for a series of armed robberies uh, in Oakland, California, in San Leandro. Armed robberies, attempted carjackings. But this is the amazing part of the story. So uh, uh, the, 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 the four uh, tweenagers, 11 to 14 years of age, were caught on video in San Leandro, California, which is also in Alameda County, trying to carjack a guy. The victim uh, then stopped them and actually body slammed one of them onto the ground, and the other three then take off running. Police say the two suspects uh, later involved in another attempted carjacking that got four children from the ages of 11 and 14 arrested last week. Um, as it turns out, April 13th, Oakland police arrested three juveniles who were involved in an attempted robbery. 
using the same getaway car that they were using in this carjacking. The San Jose Mercury News reports that the uh, three individuals were, quote, later released to their guardians only to commit yet another attempted carjacking in San Leandro on Friday, the one we just told you about. Uh, San Leandro police responded, caught up with the suspects in Oakland. They arrested an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, and two 14-year-olds. Two of these same suspects also involved in the uh, attempted armed robbery at an ATM in Oakland, California, uh, as well as an attempted carjacking in Oakland, California. And again, when police caught these suspects, not the, not, not the San Leandro police, but when Oakland police caught these suspects originally, what did they do? They turned it back over to their guardians. Now, look, I, I, I don't think that an 11-year-old needs to uh, spend the rest of their life in prison, uh, uh, even if they're convicted of this crime of armed robbery. And they were not convicted, but they were arrested. And they weren't taken to juvenile detention. They were released back to their guardians. I don't know if these are parents, aunts, cousins, whatever. I don't know. But they were not kept in custody. And just days later, they were arrested for another violent crime. California has got all kinds of screwy gun control laws on the books, but it also has a really jacked up criminal justice system. Uh, and nationwide, we have a, I, I believe, a problem when it comes to juvenile justice uh, in places not just like Oakland, but uh, uh, Chicago, Baltimore, Maryland, New York City. You are seeing a growing number of adults um, utilize juveniles to help aid in the commission of a violent crime because they know that these juvenile offenders, even if they're caught, are going to get a slap on the wrist. This also leads to situations like the shooting of Adam Toledo in Chicago, Illinois, where a 21-year-old gave the uh, young man, 12 years of age, a gun. When police responded to the 21-year-old shooting, Adam Toledo takes off running with the gun in hand and is eventually shot and killed by police. There's a lot of talk about uh, the police officer's response, what the police officer may have uh, and should have done differently. There's very little conversation about the 21-year-old who put a gun in Adam Toledo's hand. We know, however, that adults are enabling this and exacerbating this problem. Uh, but the criminal justice system, particularly in Oakland, California, is showing that it is not up to the task of dealing with these youthful offenders. Now, today's Armed citizen story, also from uh, California, Lucerne Valley, where a, a suspect armed with a hammer was shot by a homeowner in Lucerne Valley, California. A similar story in Pearland, Texas, a couple of days ago. A uh, 27-year-old suspect armed with a hammer shot by a homeowner after forcing entry into her home. This happened back on uh, April 16th. About 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, the suspect, later identified as Robert Garcia, forced his way into the woman's home through a back door. According to sheriff's officials, the suspect entered the residence wielding a hammer and threatened to kill the female victim. Fearing for her life, the female victim then shot the would-be intruder. Officials said Garcia walked away from the residence, was located lying on the side of the road a short distance away. He was uh, airlifted to a local trauma center, the uh, female victim not injured. And uh, I'm guessing not expected to uh, face any charges either. Finally today, our good deed of the day from New Jersey, where a volunteer firefighter and a good Samaritan in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, to save a person who was trapped in a burning building on Monday morning. This fire broke out in an apartment above the Five Acres Flea Market in White Township, New Jersey, just before 8 o'clock Monday morning. 
Uh, the uh, fire chief of the Mountain Lake Fire Company passed the blaze on his way home and turned around, was on the scene within, quote, minutes, uh, according to officials. Chief Vasquez was notified by bystanders that there was a person in the fire. And uh, he ended up climbing a ladder and going into that apartment to rescue the victim who was uh, stuck inside, trapped by the heavy black smoke that had been pouring out of the upper part of the building. The uh, cause of the blaze has not yet been determined, uh, but thanks to the quick action of Chief Vasquez and uh, Good Samaritan standing by, that uh, individual did not suffer any serious injuries. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, uh, Chief Vasquez and those Good Samaritans, we thank you very much for your very good deeds. All right, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you again for being a part of the program. Also, want to let you know a, another way that you can uh, support what we do here at Bearing Arms and Cam and Company. You can become a VIP member of Bearing Arms. All you have to do is go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. If you use the code GUNS, you get 25% off of your subscription. And uh, we certainly do appreciate your support. It allows us to continue the type of coverage that we do at Bearing Arms and Cam and Company each and every day, uh, bringing you Second Amendment newsmakers, the latest news and information regarding your right to keep and bear arms. Uh, we also give you uh, special content not available to non-subscribers. We've got a piece today, for instance, uh, taking on the argument that gun manufacturers bear a moral culpability for crimes that are committed with firearms, even if they didn't intend their gun to end up in the hands of a criminal. Uh, that's the type of stuff that you can expect when you become a VIP member at BarionArms.com. Again, BarionArms.com slash subscribe and use the uh, code GUNS to get 25% off. Also, don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss one of these programs. Or if you like Rumble, we got you covered there as well. Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Also, uh, Bearing Arms, Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the townhall.com podcast page. We try to make it very easy for you to find the program, and we certainly do appreciate you watching and listening. We'll be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>